for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is October 26, 2021. And today's guest is Heath Sisko from Ohio. All right, welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 185. And today's guest, like I said, is Heath Sisko. And today's podcast is a good one. It is relevant for the time that you are listening to this, if you're listening to it right now as it drops this week. We are talking about hunting scrapes and hunting deer that are hitting scrapes. And we also talk about the moon phase, hunting after a full moon, which we just had a full moon Six or seven days ago, it was like peak full moon. So we are talking about like the time this week at the end of October leading up to, you know, Halloween. We talk about hunting that time frame. So this is good, relevant content. Heath is a wealth of knowledge. We get into all of this stuff. I I was fired up after I got done listening to this or recording this basically, but like I was so ingrained in what he had he was saying and in the information because as you guys are listening to this i'm in ohio right now hunting on the lease in ohio and that's what i'm deploying is everything that you know heath was talking about his this tactic you know tiptoeing around and and finding the scrapes putting cameras on them monitoring like like crazy and getting in don't get in right away just kind of figure it out and then jump in once you see what you need to see so this is a pretty cool one. I, I really enjoyed this. Thank you to Heath for coming on and doing this. I, I can't thank him enough for, for uh, taking time out of his busy day to come on and, and, and record with me. So this one's an awesome one. Um, I greatly appreciate it. So also, thank you guys for all the support and all the downloads. If you please could find it in you to go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and leave a written review. I know a lot of you guys have have already, but if you haven't, just go to iTunes and leave a, a written review. That'd be great. Um, so I think, oh, lastly, I didn't want to forget, the pre-order for the clothing, the fall clothing, is out there. So if you guys want clothing, I have a couple hoodies options and a couple t-shirt options right now. It's the only thing I could do right now just because of of getting garments and you know people want hats and everything and I can't get hats just yet just because Richardson they don't have them so I'm trying to find inventory somewhere to get those out but I do have some clothing up there so if you go to like Instagram if you have Instagram go to the fall podcast page and in the highlight section, or I made a post as well. So if you click on that, it'll give you all the information on how to order these these t-shirts or hoodies. There's a post right there. It says apparel pre-order. Check that out. Or right above all the posts, it says highlights. Click on that, and you can see it that way as well. On Facebook, if you guys listen or you know look at Facebook, go to the Fall Podcast Facebook page. And I made a post last week about that as well. So check that out and it'll tell you how to order. So get your orders in. I'm running it for two weeks starting last Wednesday, I think. So I think I'm running it until the third. So a little over a week. And then what I'm going to do is once all the money is, you know, 
I have all the money and all the orders. I'm going to order it all. You know, my supplier, he's going to get it in and uh, order the order the, the right garments and then put all the logos and everything on them. And then I'm going to ship them out to you or deliver them, whatever we uh, figure out. So that's where that's at. If you guys have any questions, please free, feel free to DM me. Instagram is probably the easiest. Um, write me and, and ask a question and uh, I'll get back to you in the best timely manner that I can. So, all right, long dissertation. Let's get over this interview with Heath. I greatly appreciate it, guys. So here's this interview with Heath. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. Today's guest, return guest, Heath Cisco is back on the podcast. Heath, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Aaron. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm glad we could carve out some time here. I mean, we're recording today. It is what, October 21st? Is that what today is? 22nd. I think it's the 22nd, yeah. 22nd, yep. So this will be going live in a couple days. Um, I wanted to record this coming into the week that, or, you know, the next two weeks that we're going to be getting into because we're hitting that golden time, you know, where everybody's like, you know, this is the time. This is this is what everybody waits for and works for the whole year as bow hunters is the rut coming up. So I want to get into a few things about that today, but selfishly, I have some questions that I want to pick your brain about because I am coming to an area really close near you and I need some insight. <laughs> sure. So, um, but anyway, I guess first and foremost, how you doing? Like, how's your season shaking out right now so far? The first, you know, couple weeks of season, like where are you at? Uh, you know, with your target deer and, and how's everything shaking out? Sure. Well, so far uh, I can't say it's, I mean, it's been slow, <clears throat> but uh, they're starting to move a lot more and starting to expand their ranges. Uh, my target buck, I haven't been able to get on yet. Um, I kind of know where he's located. I've just, it's an area that I can't get into to get on his, uh, to get up close to his bed. So I'm kind of back off of it due to uh, just lay of the land and then uh, permission, let's say. Okay. Um, so so I'm kind of, a, it's a kind of a waiting game for me. Um, I'm kind of waiting till he starts moving a little earlier, uh, coming back a little later. Um, you know, I have found a few of his uh, scrapes that he's uh, hitting fairly often. It's just a lot of nighttime movement. So it's been a little bit of a patience game for me this year because this is one deer that I want. Yep. And uh, out of state, I just haven't been able to get there yet because of uh, other um you know, uh, things I got going on around home with my daughter being a runner and running on weekends. And it's just been tough to break away, but yep. that'll all change here come uh, first week of November. So Right. Life's getting in the way, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And in, in a good way. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Well, good luck to your daughter. I know you, you've been telling me she's, you know, she's got cross country going right cross country, right? And she's yes, on her yeah, cross country. Yeah. She's I got on her quest to get running. to state. Yep, yep. I got a senior that's uh, she's pushing to get there, and then my uh, do my youngest one is a freshman, so she's coming on too. But she's not quite the, uh, her older sister's level yet. But she's doing great. So. <laughs> good deal, good deal. Well, today, like I said, we're twenty second of October. I guess let's kind of talk about like this will be going live Tuesday, so in about six, five or six days. You know what? What does this time of the year? You know that twenty fifth through the first of November, what does that mean to you? Like, what are you, what are you getting geared up for right now? And what are you looking for? Well, um, <clears throat> I, I look for, if you don't have a deer on camera, uh, there'll be, you know, there's a big possibility they're going to be showing up because they're expanding their ranges, uh, for the last few weeks <clears throat> to a month, they've been staying in their little bubble. They don't get outside of it. Uh, you know, before daylight very often, they're not traveling very far. They're doing the same thing pretty much every day. Uh, now, starting uh, earlier this week, um, I think that they're, from what I'm seeing is they're expanding their ranges, they're showing up in different areas, uh, they're laying down a lot of sign, uh, and they're just checking out all the doe groups. Uh, they're they're getting fired up. I've seen some chasing. I've seen some grunting. Uh, but, you know, it's all just in preparation. Uh, it's coming. They know it. Um, we just have to be patient. But right now, we need to get in the woods as much as possible. Uh, but still, don't burn out your... They're not, you can't hunt rut spots. You can't hunt funnels and stuff uh, where they're going to be in, you know, a couple weeks. You still need to be hunting them uh, closer to bedding uh, on their travel corridors out from that. When do you think you can move from those, 
you know, bedding spots, corridor spots to like the rut spots? Like when is that? I mean, it doesn't have to be like a certain day, but maybe plus or minus a few days. Like when, when is that, that thing in your head go off? It's like, okay, I got to move into that funnel now, or I got to move into these rut spots. Like when does that happen? For me, it usually happens around the 4th or 5th of November. Um, I kind of concentrate on uh, scrapes and uh, and their specific travel routes uh, and going to food or going to different uh, you know, doe group areas uh, up until around the 4th or 5th of November. Around the 4th or 5th, I want to start getting in, uh, in travel corridors from uh, doe group to doe group and uh, start hunting that. And, you know, that's when the light switch for me flips over to uh, – you know, all day hunts uh, if needed and uh, sitting around doe bedding areas. But up until then, you know, I've, I've killed a lot of bucks on November 1st. I've killed a few on Halloween. Um, you know, those were hunting just specific deer in specific areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and just depends on the weather, too. I mean, everything for me relies around, goes, uh, rotates around the weather. And, you know, uh, then it, if you get deeper, it gets into the moon phases. So. Yep. Well, it's funny you say the moon phases. Right now we're in a we're in a full moon and we're kind of coming off the full moon. So like I think pink peak full moon was uh oh boy, the twi- 20th. 20th, 20th. Yeah. So like where you know, this will be going live like I said probably around the 27th. Where does that does that mean like 7 days after the, the peak full moon, is that like the time to hit it? Or like, where's your head at with the full moon and coming off the full moon? Well, I like seven days before and seven days after. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm a, I'm a moon guide person, um, that, you know, well, Jeff Murray created now Adam Hayes uh, has and puts out. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a big component on, you know, the red moon as they all take or whatever. And that's basically when the, uh, I like uh, like moon times when the moon's directly overhead, directly underfoot. Seems like it gets the deer moving more. Uh, when those times are closer to peak hunting times, let's say in the evening or morning, the deer movement is a lot better. So coming into, uh, well, you know, like on the 20th, so you got the red moon coming up here on, I think, the 23rd, and it'll be here for the four to five days is when, that, and that'll be when the moon's, uh, you know, the, the transit times are basically closer to your hunting times and what yep. I've seen, it has deer moving more actively, yep. <clears throat> you know, the dark of the moon, it seems like it gets a little slower and stuff, uh, you know, and right around a full moon, uh, the deer seem to be moving more kind of midday and it'll be late morning movement. And then in the evening, sometimes you can catch them. It depends on weather changes, but, uh, in the evening, sometimes it, uh, it's, it's lacks a lot too. Mm-hmm. So. so when you have a full moon, let's say you're hunting a morning and you mm-hmm. just said, you know, you get that late morning movement in, in your mind, if you're going to hunt a morning around those times with, when it, with it really illuminated full moon or just off full moon, are you going to like sit out that first hour or two of morning and then kind of hit that like mid morning to mid afternoon, or are you just going to get in there early and just kind of ride the hole? So it depends on where it's at. If it's during November and I've been busting my butt and wore out and need a, need a break, yeah, I'll sleep in just a little bit and then get out there, you know, try to get in a stand around 930 or something like that. But, you know, if it's October, um, you know, I may not even go in the morning. Okay. You know what I mean? I, I may just, uh, uh, if, I, if I have a chance to go and I want to go, maybe I'll sit back a little bit. We'll get in a moment on a good spot just to do an observation set somewhere on a flat or something like that. Um, but I don't push it on a full moon in October, unless I have the proper weather front and proper weather front would be, as we spoke before a rain all the night before it rains up into the day, it's going to quit around three or four. Uh, then I'll jump in before the rain quits and then have a great evening hunt. Yep. Uh, but, but I just don't, uh, I haven't had good luck at all around right out of full moon in uh, October. And that's just okay. from my experience. Yep. You've got me hooked on these rain fronts, man. I killed my deer in Illinois on a rain front this year. Um, I've had good encounters. Like last night here in Michigan, I saw a big deer at 60 yards running through, and it was raining while I was in the stand. Um, early, I sat, you know, two sits early earlier on in Michigan this year, both after rains, and I saw five total shooters, uh, nothing close enough. But I'm like, the rainy days are becoming my favorite days. Um, well, that's great. So, <laughs> so I don't know how good of a rain gear you have, which you probably do because you travel 
uh, up north a lot, but uh, having good rain gear and, uh, you know, I, I love hunting moon times and by the moon guide, but you give me a weather front, I don't care what the moon says. Uh, yeah. That's what I, that's what I'm really looking for. Cause I know it's going to happen, especially if it's a, if it's a 10 and 12 hour rain. I mean, these deer are laid up. They're aggravated. Yes. They want to get up and move. They're hungry. Yep. You know, and you flip that switch when that rain quits. And then if you get a, a, the sun pop out right afterwards, it's like the woods become alive. I mean, it's not just deer, it's squirrels, it's coon, it's everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, if I can get a rain day now in October, I am hitting that. I And, and honestly, I'm going to do it no matter what the temperature is. My deer in Illinois this year, I mean, it was in the 70s when I killed them, but it just stopped yeah. raining. And it, you could almost feel it getting a little more humid as the night went on. It didn't seem mm -hmm. like it mattered. You know what I mean? Sure. That rain, that sure. pressure come through with that rain, it rained all day. And I got in and I think that's really what got him up in daylight and he needed to go feed and I was on food. And, and that's what we got to hunt. We got to hunt when they want to get up and move mm -hmm. because that's when they're going to get the farther away from their bed. They're going to pass more uh, stand opportunities. So that's what we're looking for. Yep. And rain after a rain is a perfect time. Yeah, definitely. It's, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the rain days now. I love it. Um, I guess kind of shifting gears a little bit, I'm getting ready. Actually, as people are going to be consuming this next week, I will be in Ohio. But selfishly, I have some questions about this. I'm going down to Ohio. I'm going into a farm that I have no intel on. I, you know, no cameras are running, nothing right now. If you guys are in the market for a new trail cam, go check out exodusoutdoorgear.com. Check out all the cameras that Exodus Trail Cams has to offer. Right now, you need to go over to the website, sign up for their newsletter, stay up to date with all their information, know when they have new stock in and what's going on there. Also, they run a five-year warranty on their cameras, and they have a five-year theft warranty. So if your camera gets stolen, it's called the Exodus Advantage. They'll give you 50%, 50, wow, I can't even talk, 50 off a replacement camera. That's pretty crazy. So go over to exodusoutdoorgear.com and check out everything Exodus has to offer. If you have this scenario, which I'm sure you've had this scenario in the past, how are you approaching going to a farm? Now, I've been on this farm. I've got to film on this farm for years. So I know the quality of deer are going to be there, but going into it, nobody's been on the farm yet. Um, going, I'm going to be there the 25th of October through the 6th of November. What would be your approach to, you know, getting on or finding deer first, finding where the big deer are, if they're daylighting, um, and what would be your approach getting in and just kind of like figuring it out and then trying to ultimately get on a deer uh, from the get-go? Like, what would be your process? So, <clears throat> you've been on this farm before and filming. Uh, you yep. guys probably got pre-hung sets. Yep. Uh, you know certain spots that are good certain times of the year. You've probably walked the farm before. So yes. Yep. Even if it was five years ago, you know where, let's say, the thickets are, kind of where they, the general bedding areas are. You know where most of the oak trees are. Um, so what I would do, um, let's say I was going down on Monday, and uh, it was a nice day on Monday. You know, it was uh, – um, you know, it, it wasn't raining or something like that. Well, I would do an observation set the first evening. <clears throat> I would drive the property just to drive around the outskirts, look and see what crop rotations, what crops they have, are they harvested, whatnot. Then I would do an observation stand. Don't get too deep inside. And then let's say it's supposed to rain on Tuesday. Well, and it's supposed to start raining late Monday night, early Tuesday morning, it's going to rain. Well, I would get up in that rain the next morning. And I would go burn that place up. I mean, I would, I would, I would tiptoe around as much as I can because you've been in there before. And I would look for sign. I would see what's happening, what's happening where. And I would do it while it's raining. That way, it washes most of my scent away. And I would pay attention to wind as much as possible. Um, some places you can't, but I would try to keep the wind out of where I suspect the deer to be. And I would see what's going on. Are these white oaks producing this year? Are they all hit? Is all the sign around the red oaks because the white oaks aren't producing? Or which ones are or which ones aren't? I would look for big sign. I would look for scrapes. I would look for activity around stand sites that you've had there before that have been producers. And, and then I would think back. You know, a lot of people don't want to use the intel from previous years. Well, I do, but I want to confirm that. 
Um, so which stand sites have you guys killed in last week of October mm -hmm. or is it the first week of November? And then I would check in stand sites out to see if the activity is picking up and is getting red hot in those areas. And then you may find other areas that there's, you know, just hammer sign. I mean, big rubs, big scrapes, big tracks. And then I, then that way, you know, I may want to hang a stand if possible. Uh, you know, take stands, have them in your truck or have them in that area for side by side, whatever you have. And that way, if you do find a spot, hang it yep. while it's raining and then get out and then, you know, lay out your whole plan for the next four or five days and then start, you know, start working on that plan, hunting these different areas and then adjust as needed. I think it's supposed to rain like several days over the yep. next week or so. Yeah, I'm looking so, at it right now. It's it's I get there Monday night. Tuesday, it's supposed to rain. Wednesday, supposed to be partly cloudy. Thursday, rain. Friday, chance of rain. Saturday, chance of rain. But the thing with Friday and Saturday is the temp drops off. Like yep. the high goes from like mid 60s to mid 50s. So it's like a 10 yes. degree switch. Yes. I, I would use them rain days to uh, check things out, hang stands prep things and then you use the off you know if it's going to quit raining or whatever then you can jump in there and hunt in different areas but it's if if it was just let's say if it was just in the 60s and it was solid and and there was no rain in sight it would be a little tough because you're in there trying to move around mm -hmm. uh, and what what you do in the rain gets completely washed away yeah uh, you know scent wise if you get a good enough rain and it just allows you opportunities to set up different places and to uh uh to poke poke around in places that you normally wouldn't want to poke around in. Yep. And yeah. you're not going to affect it that much in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, I'm taking a slew of cameras with me as well and a couple cell cams. So mm -hmm. my plan is to have a bag of cameras with me as I'm walking around, you know, and poking around a little bit. And honestly, what my, where my head was at is go to some of those primary scrapes that I've known uh, from in the past and put cameras on them and Absolutely. start start monitoring those scrapes because what i'm seeing here in michigan like two days ago i watched a good buck come out of one wood lot on a mission hits a scrape on the edge of the timber goes to the next wood lot spends about 15 minutes in there sprouts out goes to another wood lot i watched this whole thing unfold and i'm like what he's doing is he's just checking his scrapes He's yep. he's just trying to figure out if there's a hot doe in the area and or just checking does that might be in these little five acre woodlots. That's all he was doing is bebopping all over. He covered, I probably watched him cover 300 acres in a matter of a half hour, you know, and just wow. bebopping. You know, yeah. it was crazy. And that's that's the that's the beauty about farm country and where I'm building my house and where I live is I can see this activity happen for uh -huh. forever, you know, and I so, learned so much on how that deer moved through there. Sure. So, so they know one's going to pop sooner or later. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen one of the biggest deers I've ever seen from a stand on October the 19th and he was flat out grunting and following a doe. He was, he wasn't tending her. There was a group of four came through, but he was grunting and following those does. And one of those does, I guarantee you the previous two or three years, that thing has come in first. He knew it. He had her picked out and he was going to stay with her till she came in. <laughs> Jeez. And, I mean, he was a, he was a giant buck and it was October 19th. And why in the world would a probably six and a half year old deer, I'm guessing, uh, following these four does and grunting. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was coming in. It was just a matter of time. And he, he already it. had her picked. He knew it. Yep. Yeah. He knew it. Yeah, last year on the October 24th, I watched a buck, a good Michigan Pope and Young deer, breed a doe in, for a 36-hour span. I watched her breed her. I physically watched him breed her four times on October wow. 24th. I mean, I saw him from the truck one evening and then couldn't hunt that night, got in, basically sat all day the next day for him, watched him from the stand with the doe. All day I watched him breed her four times. And then it got dark on me, and he, and then the next morning when I got back in the stand, he wasn't there. So sure he was there from what I could see about thirty six hours with her. They moved twenty feet in that whole time, you know. Did, did he have any uh, competition come in during that time frame? Not that I just... saw. Not gotcha. You know, if if it happened in the night, then it, it might may have. But uh, yeah. during the day, I never saw another deer. They were in the middle of a wide open. It wasn't a cut bean field. It was a standing bean field, but, uh, and there was a main road right next to it. And I was thinking like, 
man, if some of these cars slow down and just kind of push these deer, because I was in the next woodlot that they would yeah. run to. And I'm like, yeah. just push them this way, push them this way. Nope. If you had a buddy, that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> I got buddies, but they were hunting just like I was. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> yep. So so back to next week or the week that this is, you know, the 25th through Halloween, let's call it. It's going to rain. There's going to be chances of rain throughout this week. Um, it is pretty steady temps. I mean, I'm looking at 63 of a high, 55, 61, 61, 56, 58, 60. Uh, are you hunting mornings leading up into that? So if I'm out of state like you are. Yep. Um, It'd be I'm an out of state hunting. like 11 days, and this might be yep. my only trip there. Gotcha. I would definitely, I would be hunting as much as possible. Okay. Now I wouldn't go in and blow up a spot just because I want to hunt it in the morning. You know what I mean? I, w- I would make sure, especially in the beginning that, uh, unless when you went there and scouted and found some hot sign, then I would jump in on it. But sure. you know, I would try to, um, I would try to ease in a couple days. Uh, but you know, it's, it's that time of year you need just, you know, you need to get out there and hunt the hot sign and yep. be in the woods. Yep. So why be out of state? and not hunting. Um, right. so, so that's what I would be doing, but you know, you don't want to tear your whole farm up. I don't know exactly how big your farm is, but you don't want to blow your whole farm up right at the beginning. Yep. But then again, you don't want to set back and let red hot sign just sit there because you you're worried about disturbing something. Yep. You know, you gotta, you gotta get aggressive and, and make it happen. Yeah. And, and my whole plan was if Tuesday morning be the first day of hunting, if it says AM showers right now, but if it's not, uh-huh. if it's not raining, it's not a big chance of rain that morning. I'm thinking hitting a fringe morning stand. Like, yep. don't be pushing in too far. Just get in the stand, see how things unfold. You might trip into one, as I say. Like, you might, yep, might happen. You know. And then midday, I'm going. That's when I'm going to kind of like poke around and start deploying some cameras, and then figure out from what I see for the evening sit. Now. That might be, there is half beans standing on the farm and half corn, but there's not an ear of corn on the farm. It's just stalks basically sitting or standing. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. But I'm thinking about moving into those beans for like an observation set for the first night. Um, there's a good wind for it. So, and then just kind of like poking around until I find that like I got to go and then go. That was kind of my game plan from 30,000 foot view, basically. Yep. No, that, that sounds like a great game plan. Um, like I said, but yeah, you just need to, I mean, I would dig around in there, especially when it's raining and find that spot. Cause what you don't want to do is, uh, you don't want to leave a stone unturned right. and, uh, and be in this spot and not really know what's over the hill and over the hills, just the mega load. Right. You know, you just, and, and you can't find that and, until you get in there and put boots on the ground. Yep, for sure. Yeah, that I, mean, I used to be one. I used to be one that was so conservative. I mean, I would set back. I'd be afraid to go in this woods, afraid to go in that woods, afraid to scout here, afraid to scout there, and I would just hunt my little rut funnels in between. And after a couple seasons of, you know, struggling to even fill my tag, I'm like, this ain't working. Mm-hmm. I got to get in there and find the sign. And then I go back and shed hunt, or later on that year, and there's just signs just shredded and tore up. And I'm thinking, gosh, if I was here. But how do you know that? you need to be here unless you get in there and poke around. Right. Exactly. Yep. No, that makes sense. And that's, I, I just, I guess, I don't know if I need a reassurance from a big buck killer like you, <laughs> but I just wanted to pick your brain on that because you've been around the block way more than I have. And you've been in these scenarios and I'm going to Ohio. So you're, you know, Ohio is your backyard. So, um, I just want to kind of see what you were thinking and, and how you would approach it. And I think we're kind of, I'm on kind of the same page you are. And I just wanted to get that little extra assurance, you know, from you. Sure. And, and you know, just thinking about it, you know, it's, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't want to just jump in your middle, uh, stand in the middle of the farm the first morning and not even know what the heck's going on. You need to right. work your way in from the edges a little bit, but don't, don't waste time. Yep. Um, figure out where all the good sign is and then uh, jump on it uh, because, um, you know, this, you've been, you've been down there 10 days. A lot of things are going to change yes. from, you know, the 15th until November the 5th, the whitetail goes through a heck of a oh. big change. I <laughs> yes. mean, it's just unbelievable. And, and we wait all year for this, you know, the next three weeks, let's say, and, you you gotta you can set back and watch these shows, prep your gear, scout, shoot shoot, do all this preparation. It's go time. You mm-hmm. got to get out there and make it happen. Don't just sit back and 
think, ah, oh, you know, I've got 10 days to hunt, so why push it? Well, you want to push it a little bit, but you got no when to push and no when to back off. And that's just a decision you'll have to make in your head when you go there and see what you're looking at. And, uh, and that's how you learn. Uh, you got to screw up to learn. So for sure. Now, how are you approaching using calls at this time? You know, coming into November, let's talk those five days going or six days going into November first. Like how, how are you deploying, rattling, running, you know, stuff like that? So I'm probably more conservative than a lot of people, I guess you could say. I don't carry rattling horns. I used to. I don't. I've rattled in a lot of, you know, a good bit of deer, um, but it's usually smaller stuff. And, you know, as I've grown as a hunter, I'm looking for more mature stuff. The mature stuff that I have rattled in, I've usually hung out, hung up at 50 yards. Um, they circled downwind, got me before I was, you know, I never had an opportunity. So I don't carry rattling antlers anymore. Now, I'm not saying in certain situations they wouldn't work. Just from my experience, I, I, it just doesn't work for me. Then grunt tube, I carry a grunt tube with me at all times. It's in my pack. I don't even pull it out and put it around my neck like I used to and slipping under my bino harness. Yep. Um, it's in my pack. The only time I would grunt, and this is just my opinion, if I had a deer that was out of range and he wasn't coming towards me, he was just moving across or out, and I would try to turn him or something like that to get him to come back. Okay. Um, you know, and, and a lot, like I said, a lot of times I won't even use my grunt tube. Now, I can snort wheeze with my mouth. So if I use any call, it's when this buck, there's no reason in the world for him to loop over by me or come by me. And, you know, I may snort wheeze to try to turn him and come in, come in, having come back to me. Now, I've had luck with that. I can't say I've ever killed a deer by doing that. So, okay. You don't that's, do that's any, me. you don't do any blind calling or nothing? Absolutely none. Really? Uh, none. Now, I have, I've done that in the past. Um, uh, you know, a long time ago, I just, like I said, I can blind call. And then some of the opportunities that I've had, I mean, I'm, well, I haven't ever had an opportunity to kill. The last time I blind called and killed a buck was in 1998. Really? That was the last time. Yep. And I haven't done, and I tried it, you know, let's say, you know, X amount of years after that and just no luck. I mean, when, when I do, they end up, they're, they're hung up behind me downwind. You know what I mean? And they catch me and they're gone. Yep. So I, I don't do, I, I just don't do any of that. I, I mean, it's just me. Yep. No, I, and that's, I feel like when you ask that question to hunters, like if you took a poll, I think it'd be like a 50, 50 split down the middle. Like there are guys that, that do a lot of calling and blind call and there are guys that don't, you know, and I guess my approach with it is I have called my Iowa deer. The first time I laid eyes on him, I blind rattled and he came out of the thicket. He didn't uh -huh. commit. I, you know, I laid eyes on him. Um, you know that, so that kind of happened. So, but like with your grunter and everything, I'm I'm under the same impression that you are. Like when I deploy that, it is when I see a deer that I need to get the attention of, and I need to let him know that I'm over here. You know, and sure. to come and investigate. That's kind of how I approach that. I do take rattling antlers with me but i am like every time i feel like i go pick them up i'm like uh is this the right time like should i do this now <laughs> you know uh i don't want to blow the woods up you never know what might be in the the thicket right next to you and you blow them up and they're like oh shit that's that's yes. not a that's not a fight going on you know it's it's yeah. always iffy and, and you know every deer is different every deer's got a different personality and a lot of the but the mature bucks that I find and I'm hunting that you know I'm looking for the larger antler size, usually older age class. Um, some of these deer are real timid and stuff, and uh, they are not looking for a fight. Yep. Uh, they avoid that at all costs. They're kind of hermits off to theirself. They're happy with one or two does a fall a breeding, and instead of this 130 inch bully that's wanting to tear up the woods. And uh, you know I've heard from numerous people of you know, certain rattling certain deer and it, it scares them mm -hmm. and it, they shy away from it. Then it looks, you got to look at the hunting pressure and stuff where you're at in Iowa. Like you said, you called that one out of the thicket. Well, if I was going to use rattling antlers anywhere, it would be Iowa because <laughs> yeah. Iowa's a different world. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but it's still out there. I don't even do it. I have my grunt call. Mm -hmm. I usually have it around my neck out there, but I, I just, I, I don't know. I just haven't had a lot of great experiences with rattling and, uh, I feel like I would have a better chance of just being silent 
and unknown, let's say in that area, then uh, notifying all the deer of my presence and having one loop around behind me. Yep. No, that makes sense. Definitely be able to see your downwind too when you're doing that kind of stuff because they'll loop around behind you and you'll never know it and you, you'll be like, oh, that didn't work, you know, but really you didn't know you just blew the biggest year out of the country too, you know. Yeah, so. and it, yeah, so I just, I play my odds of not making calls unless I see one cutting across and, sure. and I'll try to call him back to me. So coming into, I'm going to switch gears a little bit on you again, coming into what we've been talking about in scrapes. I mean, scrapes are big right now. Deer starting to hit them. I was talking to a buddy down in Ohio where I'm going. Uh, he said the mature deer started hitting scrapes last week. He thinks I'm going to be hitting this like perfect um, down where he's at. He's like the mature deer, mature deer are hitting them in daylight right now and they're, and they're moving. Are you... So going back to like poking around the farm, trying to figure out the hot sign and everything and seeing scrapes, are you one that uses sense at all in a scrape or, you know, how do you go about that? So, um, so I, I, when I set up my cameras, let's say out of state, like in Ohio, uh, I don't use sense on scrapes. Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't, um, um, because I'm putting mine on an established scrape. Right. Yep. Now at, at the one, at the one farm that I, one of the, the farm I own, uh, it, it's a small farm or whatever. I set a, I put a scrape up. Um, basically it's a post and it's, it has a piece of rebar coming out of the top and I hang a pine tree limb from it. It's along the edge of a field. When I first started that, I used scent to get it started. Now all I got to do is hang the pine tree limb on it and the deer hit it every year. They're conditioned to it. Yep. Yeah. They're conditioned to it. So me, I look for, if I'm putting cameras, I want to find the hub scrapes and stuff, not the one that the buck's just making while he wanders through the woods, you know, sure. down a trail or on an acorn flat. I uh, find the hub scrapes, and they'll start them themselves as long as that overhanging branch is there. I may rake the leaves out and stuff to get them going, let's say in September, uh, open it up to where it's a visual, and maybe hang a pine tree limb or something overhead to give them the overhanging branch. And uh, out of state, uh, I do use deer sense. Me and Justin Hollinsworth, we run a lot of cameras out of state on a couple of uh, farms we have. And uh, I do use sense to uh, get those going. Uh, but, you know, it's more of a visual. Mm-hmm. And if it's in the right spot. Yep. So so if, you, if you're if you poking around the farm like this time of year and you're trying to figure stuff out, you're not using sense at all, even out of state? Uh, no. No. No, okay. no, very, very rarely. Now, if we have a scrape that hadn't been hit a lot, but it, they usually open it up, you know, we're in Illinois. I usually have uh, the stuff you put in the scrape and the stuff yep. you put on the tree limb. I have it with me, uh, the overhanging branch, I mean. Uh, but in Ohio, I don't know. I've tinkered around with that before. I've, like, built scrapes that been of outside of the deer movement, let's say 50 yards, and seeing if I could pull them over, being putting them upwind. And making a scrape, mm-hmm. I've had very little success doing that. So okay. I try to let the deer do their do their thing and make their scrape. Then I just hang cameras over it. I got gotcha. you. And don't try to interfere with it or whatever. Now I have luck uh, with, uh, and that's how I got on this pine tree limb thing or whatever. I have had luck if I have a scrape in a certain spot and it's not a good spot for me. Um, I go up and I cut off the overhanging branch, the overhanging limb. If it's, if it's one that's tore up and I need to move it, let's say 50 yards and it's still in a deer kind of travel path. I'll go up and I'll cut off that tree limb. The, the one that they're using, I'll cut that one off. I'll take rubber gloves and rubber boots and I'll dig up like two inches of the actual scrape that's there. Dig all that up and put that in a bucket and move it 50 yards, clear out a big scrape, hang that overhanging branch over top of it take that dirt that i took off of that scrape put it in this one and you wouldn't believe the success that i've had on moving deer scrapes no kidding yeah but it take it just it didn't go happen overnight you know yep. what i mean and it can't be completely out of their travel place or whatever you know what i mean it mm-hmm. needs to be kind of let's say if they're traveling down this way put it on down that way right around them paths and I have moved their scrapes before. And as long as you keep that overhanging branch, because the overhanging branch still has all that forehead gland and scent, then the scrape has all their pee and every droppings and everything else in it. You're just moving it. Right. And if you're cautious enough, you can move it and and set it up for a better opportunity for you to be able to hunt. Yep. Yeah. That so that makes that. sense. Like, you know, as long as you don't move it very far, I would think like you wouldn't want to move it across the farm. 
you know, yeah, I mean, you could try absolutely. it, but I guess I don't know if it would, to me in my head, it really doesn't feel like that would work, but I mean, you never know. It might, but yeah. I'm just thinking if you're where that scrape is, if you don't want them there for a certain wind or a certain stand location, if you need it 50 yards away, I mean, that would be a great, I've never even honestly thought about doing that. Yep. I've done that before and had good success. Now you need to put leaves and stuff back in there and fill up that hole or whatever and make it to where you can't, you know, it's not a visual because the deer will keep coming back to it and they'll finally get tired of it because it doesn't have an overhanging branch right. or a limb on it. Yep. Um, it's the same way around the edge of a food plot. If you got, let's say, 10 different overhanging branches that these things can make scrapes under and they're making them all, but none of them's close to your stand, cut all those down and leave the one by your stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that's maybe perfect. Get, then maybe put a little bit of scent on it or move some of those overhanging branches, maybe one that they're really hitting, move it over to yours. And then concentrate them right there in front of you where you got a shot a shooting opportunity. Yep. No, that makes sense as well. What what you were mentioned hub scrapes. What to you is like a good hub scrape? Like what's it look like? Well, most of the time you find them they're in low lying areas. And you know, in low lying areas have really good fresh dirt. They have a, a really good established overhang branch, whether it's a grapevine, uh, whether it's just how a tree limb hangs over. Uh, you know, where they can, they like, it seems like when the limbs pointing down, um, I find in big woods areas, uh, it's a lot, it's usually on, uh, um, beech trees, small beech trees, um, on flat areas. And, you know, they usually don't want them on kind of a slope hill or whatever. Um, and it's just where everything comes down. A lot of times you find them in these, I don't know, I guess the proper term will be thermal hubs in bottom areas where a bunch of, uh, uh, ditches and stuff come together or let's say ridges with the ditches coming down there they like they can stay down there and they can smell all these different areas around in the evening when the thermal's dropping and it's hard to get to it's hard to, they're hard to get on they're hard to hunt and a lot of times they're as big as a truck hood so yep yeah thermal hubs man they're especially in ohio where we're at it's really hilly man it is very hard to get in these bottoms and because they're just the wind just is so unpredictable that you yep. almost have to get up on like halfway up the hill or a quarter way up the hill where you're getting more of a consistent wind direction. But man, and, but it seems like in this case, it seems like we get a ton of daylight buck pictures in these thermal hubs for good reason, yep. because they know that they're safe and they have, you know, they know how to enter them. They know how to, to exit them and you just can't, you can't get in on them because I feel like they, you know, deer have six cents no matter what, but I feel like when they come in these thermal hubs, they, they feel like they are like in or untouchable. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. And they basically, they basically are because especially if bottom areas or whatever, it depends on how steep your ridges are around it and how many fingers you got coming into it, but everything's dropping down in there in the evenings. And I don't know if you're getting a lot of the pictures and all times of the day or mainly just evenings, but I've had, I've had uh, places to where, um, Everything's dropping down in there. The buck's sent and checking everything, and then he knows what finger to take off up if he smells a hot dough. Sure. Uh, but they like being in those areas. They can catch all that scent. But you can take advantage of those a little bit. It depends. If you've got a valley that comes through and you've got ridges coming in, let's say you've got ridges coming in from the north and you've got ridges coming in from the south, dropping all down into this valley that travels east and west. Well, you know, it's just like, man, I can't hunt it, uh, you know, everything's dropping down in there and this and that well be smart a little bit about it and if you get a a, a west wind with a little bit of uh i say a little bit of power behind it a little bit of wind speed behind it where it's pushing your wind off east you can go on the east side of that scrape and and set back and have a party i mean if you keep that if that wind stays constant especially up into the evening because a lot of times the wind drops off right before dark. Yep. But if you can keep that wind constant, you can have all this stuff out in front of you. They feel comfortable in doing all this stuff, but your wind is blowing straight out east, straight on down that valley. Yep. And then another one is um, if you have a buck coming in right at dark on this hub scrape down in this bottom, you can go ahead and pre-hang a stand and you know hang it, you know hang it kind of low back off to the what would be possibly the downwind side with the wind current. And what you can do if that buck showing up on camera in there at five thirty on that scrape, we'll we'll slip in there and jump up in the tree at five mm -hmm. and give it a fifteen minute to a half an hour hunt before your wind before your scent gets dispersed everywhere and kind of settles around because of all the thermals and stuff. Yep. And and just all you need is all you need is a minute. 
mm-hmm. and that think it could happen. So that's an opportunity. If I mean, I've tried, I've done that before, and I've had success. I haven't killed a target buck doing that, but I've had success and had some great hunts doing that. Yeah, and you know, and that just brought a thought to my mind about it. Just brought up. Uh, a spot on this farm that I'm going that back in, I want to say this was like four years ago, we had a camera on a scrape just up from a thermal hub on a two track that kind of goes, winds down this, this valley. And it's on the first bench up from the, from the bottom, if that makes sense. Like you come out of the Uh bottom, there's this little bench, it benches off and there's like a beech tree right there. I think it was a beech tree. And there was a scrape on it. So we put a camera on it, forgot about the camera. We go back next year in shed season, find the camera, thumb through it all, and we're like, holy shit. Oh, it's like like Christmas. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And, like, giants that we've never had on camera anywhere in the whole farm. You know, that first week of November are just hammering the scrape. So I'm like, I just thought of that. You just triggered that. It's like, I need to go check and see if that scrape's there because that is, like, when you were – describing the hub scrape this is a hub scrape and if i can find that it's a perfect i remember i think i remember where it's at if i could find that i see there's a lot of west winds coming i can get on the Uh east side of that thing and i think i'm up high enough from that that uh thermal hub that i think i could get a consistent wind that might be the spot to to jump into the only kicker is it is boy it's over a mile from where we parked to get into this bottom. So, so it's hard to get into. It, it's hard to get into. There's the only thing is I'm taking a side by side. I can get halfway to it with a side by side, but you're kind of going through. It, we'd be on the ag, the edge of the ag field, you know, driving in, but you got it's not an electric one, it's a gas one. So yep, yep. You know, to cut down at least half the distance to get in there, ditch it. Yep. And then I, the deer that we're going to be hunting, I don't think I'm going to be blown up. You know what I mean? It gotcha. might be blowing up the, the night activity going into the ag field, but I'm not hunting those deer. I'm hunting different deer. That's sure. I guess that's where my head's at. Well, so that's a, that's a stand that you don't want to b- jump into the first night, but it's one that you need to keep. You could throw a camera up on it, keep tabs on it, and then when everything's right and you need to go for it, and go for it. Yeah, and I'm going to take a hang and bang or a hang and hunt setup, and that might be if I can get some cell service down there, that's where I might put one of my cell cams, just monitoring that so I don't have to go down in there. And once one shows up, I that might be the time to move in, you know, just yeah, get in and do a hang and hunt. Absolutely. Yeah, but you know, those big deep hollows down there are like – you can't get any service down there. I'd rather no. not have to put a, a regular camera on there and keep going and checking it, you know? So so we got AT&T cell cameras. And this year, I'm telling you, <clears throat> I'm getting some service to where I usually have, don't get it. Really? So it, it's gotten a lot better. I've got <clears throat> Verizon, so hopefully uh, hopefully that it works down there. And like I said, it's not in the deep, deep bottom, but it, yep. is, it is. I mean, we're still down, down a ways. Sure. And, you know, hunting these big ridges and stuff, uh, you know, in Southern Ohio or wherever you're at, uh, Kentucky, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, whatever, um, you know, you pay attention to the uh, uh, whether it's overcast, whether the sun's out, you know, for your winds and what sure. and how's it coming across those ridges and all that kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, like on an overcast day like it is today, you know, the wind's going to be kind of uh, consistent because the thermals aren't going to affect everything. Mm-hmm. Then thermals, you can predict where it's actually going to be moving. So. Yep. Um, I, I got a stand this year. I was, hunt, I'm hunting, uh, I've hunted, uh, twice and it's just an excellent spot. And I usually don't hunt, uh, the same spot very often, but, uh, I can't get in this stand. I can only get like an hour hunt out of it, Really. but I have to follow the shadows to get into that stand. So I can't even get into the stand till like a quarter till six. No, cause I gotta wait till these shadows. Yeah. But if I'm in the shadows, the wind's coming down the hill. If I get up to where, the sun is shining, the wind's going up the hill. So it's just the I thermals. Gotcha. So you Ex- play all that stuff. It, it's tricky down in these hills, but if you figure them little things out, you can slip in on these deer and they don't have a clue. Yep. Explain thermals a little bit. So what you're saying is if you're staying in the colder part of the shadows, your thermals yep. are pull, pulling down. If you get yes. into the warm part, they're going to start rising. So like, how do you place it? Like last night when I saw this, this good deer in Michigan, I was supposed to have a northwest wind 
and it was everything but. And I'm like, what the hell? It was overcast, it was raining, but it was moving from like my left shoulder all the way around to the front of me and back and back and back. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? So like explain to me like your thermals and like I would throw some milkweed and it would like uh-huh. be true. I would right after that go grab another piece, throw it, and it would go the exact opposite direction. I'm like, what the hell? Like explain so said, to me those scenarios. So you said it was was it overcast and was the wind in gust or was the wind speed very uh, high or low? So or? it was overcast. It, it's raining. I had, I mean, it was a mist rain. It had rained yep. hard. When I Uh got in the stand, I was all like, I was soaked. But when I got in the stand, it started to slow down. The wind was more, it was a consistent wind. It wasn't like real gusty, but it was, it was windy. I mean, we're talking 15 mile an hour wind, but it was (laughs) supposed to be consistent out of the Northwest, but it was like, I mean, it would hit me in the back out of the west, and then it would hit me from the southwest, then it would go straight south, and I'm like, this is not good. I end up pulling the pin 30 minutes before dark because I'm like, I don't want to blow this spot up, you know? Sure. So I got out the heck out of there. But, like, explain well, to me the what that scenario could have been and why it might have been doing that. So, you know, this time of year, the leaves are still on the trees and stuff, so the wind does different things, especially when it comes across the field and hits, like, the face of the woods. Yep. You know, it kind of hits the face of the woods. I don't know if he was on the edge or what, but if it hits the face of the woods, it's going to tumble out into the field and stuff and make it feel like the wind's blowing every which way. You know, if you're hunting an edge of a field, a lot of times you you want the wind going down one direction or the other. And then you get into some other issues. It depends on the wind speed. Let's say you're sitting along the edge of a field that the field's traveling, uh, the edge of the woods is going east and west, and you have the wind coming directly out of the west. Well, uh, you know, so you're looking for a deer to come out from the west up which is upwind if that wind has very much wind speed on it it could be it, it pulling down along the edge of that woods and it's sucking into the woods right um so the the trees with leaves and everything it it causes all kinds of issues now a lot of times you can read a spot and say okay here's what the wind's going to be doing <clears throat> but you really absolutely don't know till you hunt it yep um and that's what's bad because you either you're in the chips or you're out of the chips mm-hmm. and, and just from experience. And when I go hang a stand, you know, if you, let's say you hang a stand at noon, well, you can take your, you can be up there in your stand that you just hung and you're throwing milkweed out and say, okay, okay, here's what the wind's doing or whatever. But then when that sun drops over the horizon, what's it doing then? You know what I mean? Right, Especially right. if the sun's out or if you're hanging it, which I hang most of my stands on overcast days. Cause I want the weather to be nasty and nasty and hopefully, uh, you know, <clears throat> wash my scent away. But a lot of times that's not possible because if you're hanging and hunting every day, every other day. Right. But everything is different. It, it, it constantly changes. But I know if I'm looking at a, a hill, a, a hillside that is facing somewhat uh, southeast or something like that, even southwest, uh, when that sun hits it, uh, it's going to change some things, and usually that th- those thermals are going to be rising when that sun hits it. Um, okay. If in the evening when that sun drops over the horizon, that your wind's going to be pulling down that hill and pulling to the bottom. Um, <clears throat> so, so I, I look at spots like that, and like on an overcast day, it depends on which way the wind direction is. It's a little bit more predict. It's it's predictable. Uh, so you kind of know you may have a constant wind all day. Um, certain spots I have. I go in and hunt it when the wind's completely wrong, but if that sun comes up, as soon as that sun comes up, I'm golden because my wind's going to be going up the hill. You know what I mean? That kind of deal. So each situation is completely different. You can throw a row of pine trees up and screw yourself completely or a row of just solid trees with leaves. And then I used to hunt these little pockets inside the woods. My gosh, them things can be horrible. Yeah. If, if the, if the, if the, if the trees and the, and the structure, or cover is consistent, the wind is kind of consistent. If you have openings, especially, let's say, somewhat larger openings inside of woods, man, that wind can come across the air and tumble and just put the screws to you. Yeah. So I was in a like a four-acre patch of timber, and I was probably 50 yards off of a field where the wind was coming from. So do you think that that wind could have been coming out of the west and hitting the edge of the timber and then like tumbling in 40 yards to me. And then like from there, it could have been just dispersing wherever. 
you know, that could have been usually 40 yards in. You should be pretty good shape. I would have thought. I would have thought <clears> too. <throat> I, but I was kind of, so to kind of describe like the area I was in, I was in the biggest tree I could be in. It was the only mm-hmm. tree I could be in, but surrounding me is like, it's almost like you have a, a section of timber, but where I was sitting, like the timber kind of like didn't grow very good. So there's CRP all around me, but there's uh-huh. these little thorn trees, you know what I mean? Yep. And these little yep, Atamala bushes and all that yep. stuff. And I'm hunting. So it's kind of like a little pocket right there, but mm-hmm. I'm almost wondering if the wind was coming in and hitting that little pocket and it was just like swirling right around me and just like dispersing all over. And I'm like, this is not going to work. So I got the heck out of there. Uh, that that to me sounds more likely, um, but you know, you'd have to look at it and then, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you go, let's say 30 yards up, throw some milkweed out to see what you're doing, go 30 yards back, throw some milkweed out to see what you're doing. Um, and then maybe take a smaller, uh, you know, less, uh, you know, um, less, you know, pretty tree, I guess you could say to right. stand in and right. get off of that or whatever. Um, those bigger trees, the problem with the, I used to look for big trees. I, I used, I've done every, I mean, I've seen, I can went through every phase. I used to try to find a perfect tree <clears throat> and set up and it's usually a bigger tree. That means it has a, a, a bigger canopy, which it means it kills everything out underneath. And uh, then it's hard to get your strap all the way around it. And they're mm-hmm. hard to climb, but they're beautiful trees and they're wider than your body and deer's not going to see you up in it, blah, blah, blah. Now I just find my spot and then pick a tree, yep. whether it's if it's a tree as big as my thigh or and it's the nastiest, gnarly looking thing. And I got to get 10 foot off the ground or if it's a bean pole and I got a little bit of cover up there. I mean, that's where I'm going. I'm just whatever uh, tree is available that I can get a stand in instead of trying to find the. I guess, perfect tree, I guess you could say. Yeah, that makes sense. And honestly, I'm on the south edge of this, not the edge, but I'm on the south, like half of the woods. So I feel like if I could get a straight wind out of the north, out of the straight north, I think it'd be better um, because it's got to go through that whole timber for for it to get to me. And I think it might be more consistent once it gets to me, but we'll see. I mean, the only time will tell. I won't be able to hunt that spot again until I get back from Ohio, but uh, and then it'll be rut like crazy. So I don't even know if it would really matter at that point, you know? Sure. Well, the great way to learn, especially that section of timber is, uh, let's say, uh, well, it'd be with the leaves off, but do wind scouting, you know, in, uh, in out of season, or you could even do an in season, just yep. uh, go in there with uh, more milkweed and you know what to do with, and just go to different spots, maybe take you some climbing sticks and get up 15 to 20 feet and just, uh, okay, this is the wind that works best for me. Then just go around a wind check and start throwing your, uh, your milkweed out and see what happens. There's going to yep. be certain areas that you, they isn't going to work and there's going to be a spot in there probably that works really well. For sure. So, yep. No, that makes total sense. So, but it takes a lot of time. It depends on how, I mean, if you don't have a lot of places to hunt, that's what you have to do. Exactly. You have to set up your spots to where you can get away. You can't just go in there and hunt, make one hunt and blow up the thing and be done because you don't have other spots yeah it was tough for me to get down out of it but i'm like man this i've waited all year to climb in this stand this is the first time i did and i'm like i i'll be damned if i'm gonna blow this place up any more than i already have so i'm like i'm getting down and i snuck out of there sure well that was probably the best call yep so well hey man i appreciate you doing this i'm gonna cut this cut this loose because we're at 52 minutes um okay i greatly appreciate you coming on doing this again carving time out because i know you probably want to get in the stand and chase a giant so well i, I definitely want to get out and put up another camera so um go. anyways good luck to you uh in ohio and wherever else you're going to be this fall and uh, be safe wear your safety harness and man this is what we're all looking for uh, we save all of our vacation. Yep. Uh, we dream about it all year. It's time to get out there. Heck yeah, man. Well, good luck to you as well. Be safe as well. And uh, hopefully you kill some big ones and, and, and stay, in, stay in touch with me. If you do get one on the ground, maybe we'll jump back on here and, and uh, break down the hunt and, and how everything went down. That sounds good. It's great talking to you. Thanks, Heath. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. All right. There you have it. Thank you very much to Heath for coming on. He's getting after a giant right now, so I need him to get out into the woods and get after that so he can come back on and talk about that. But thank you, Heath, very much for coming on and talking. It is greatly appreciated. Also, thank you to everybody out there for 
all the support and all the downloads it is i mean it is crazy the love that you show me and the podcast is awesome thank you guys very much please i'm gonna remind you again go over to itunes leave a five-star rating and leave a written review that would be greatly appreciated and don't forget about the apparel pre-order if you guys want some apparel right now we're running this until the third of november and then i'm going to get it ordered and get it everything out to you guys so um again just a reminder go to instagram and i made a post about it there you can tell you can see how to order and how to pay for everything and also go to facebook i made a post in there as well and uh check out the apparel pre-order and uh get you guys some swag ordered and uh we'll get you guys hooked up so thank you guys very much and don't forget we'll be right here next week on the fall podcast